Failure is a part of any good business. This is the Focus Group. It's the savvy side of 9 to 5. Listen. Bueller. 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 Laugh. (laughs) And learn. Negotiation. This is what you do in business. This is the Focus Group with Tim Bennett. S-T-A-U-N-C-H. And John Nash. Keep your clothes looking neat and clean. We're all business. Except when we're not. Hey, welcome to the Focus Group. John Nash here in New York with my good friend and co-host, Mr. Tim Bennett, down in Philadelphia, or it could be the shore, but rest assured, we are distant from each other. We're geographically quite distant. We're not socially distant, because Tim and I talk all the time, but we are geographically distant. Focusgroupradio.com is the URL you want to check out for all our shows, including Unbuttoned, our Tuesday podcast. Uh, About 20 minutes long, three topics. Uh, Subscribe, like, and rate that. And as I said, focusgroupradio.com. So here we are. And uh, the, I want to, I don't want to say it's the first official. No, we have like a couple more days and we're into June, right? Yeah, I guess it's the first official week of summer since, or no, well, it's, it's the, it's the Wednesday after Memorial Day, right? And you can now wear white, John, you can wear your white shoes now and your white pants. (laughs) Kathleen Turner, one of your favorite movies. Uh, Serial mom. Serial mom, the buckskins. Yeah. You, well, you and I come from a state that had pretty firm rules about dress code and things like that. And you and I swore by the preppy handbook. And then in life later, Tim got to meet and become friends with Lisa Bernbach, the author of that book. She was our personal hero, right? As did you. Yeah. Remember oh, that, that day? That was the one show I wanted to go to and the and Amtrak stops. Remember? Was that and the refrigerator and, on the track or something? Yeah, the, we hit a refrigerator and uh, on the way up Think on Amtrak. Think about that for a minute. What is this, Uzbekistan? You're on a train. <laughs> and then Tim calls the studio and our producer, Katie. And this was the day we had been waiting for because Lisa Birnbach was going to be in with, I think, Chip Kidd. Chip Kidd, yeah. The, the book designer. And he uh, had done her new book. Um, what was this? The follow-up True Prep. True, True Prep. Prep. Not as good as the first one. But anyway... Tim's guy. Did you wear your whale pants, your whale corduroy? Oh, I had a whole costume. I had the duck mallard pants on. We had a, and you, we both dressed very preppy. And uh, I got there for the last five minutes. I think you did a, you did a Tim's list for them. You, you stepped in and did the list with them, but it was fun to meet them anyway. We got a good picture. And then we invited her to our holiday show. We did for many years, holiday shows at Sirius. And uh, remember she was supposed to be on, we gave her a specific time. She showed up 35 minutes late with some guy from, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. He was the man who delivered the pizza in the Mr. Hand class. Where they, right. oh, I'm, and, and Spicoli was the uh, I forget the actor who played him, but um, Sean Penn. Thank you. Yeah. And, and hey, by the way, in the booth, we have Garrett and Steve bringing us out to you with the magic of technology. We can't do it without them. Yeah. And so one of the actors, um, she didn't show up with Sean Penn. <laughs> she didn't show up with Sean Penn, but the actor who played the pizza delivery guy, we ended up later doing a funny little thing. Well, it wasn't so funny. Well, it kind of was, but Tim years later <laughs> had this list of people who'd been on our show that had passed away. Our and first that was dead, the yes. first, our dead celebrity was our first dead celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't funny. And our second one, do you remember who the second one was? The second one. Why should I? One of, your fav- one of your favorite guests. One of your favorite what? guests of all time. You do, you mimic, oh. you mimic it all the time. Oh, 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 Gene Neidich from Gene Weight, Neidich. Uh, Weight Watchers. When Weight you Watchers. are obese, you shop <laughs> with other obese women at Lane Bryant. 
Yeah, yeah not a that list was you want to be was on. The content, but, that was the yeah. whole interview, right, Tim? We did that, and she repeated that line like how often? Well, and we had to be good because, well, we had to be good. And uh, there's been several interviews like that we've said over the years. We should probably do a best of uh, our train wreck interviews. That would actually be a good thing to to put together, the train wreck interviews, and kind of splice them together and then do the backstories on them. Because some of them were just, I could not look at you at many of them. And uh, title, I'm wondering, I'm puzzling about the title. Could the title possibly possibly be "Don't Ask Me Direct Questions"? Like, remember the guy that had Asperger's or something, or whatever the illness was? And you're like, I went to the bathroom, I came back, I didn't know what was going on, but you had this look on your face, like, "Oh boy, did you?" And I think I booked him. Well, well, I was going to say you often were the one to bring these characters in. I mean, you you were the one who brought in the guy, the typesetter. You brought in the one with the cards. You you often brought in these crazies. And I don't know if you did it just to no, do it, I, but they would end up being these crazies. And I would look at you like you got to be kidding me, because back then too, our interviews were forty five minutes long, so we had to fill we had the time. Our live show, we had to fill the time. And uh, back to Lisa Bernbach, though, it was a it was a sad day because you got Katie got the call. We were just about to go on air, and she said Tim's running late. But as the hour progressed to the second hour, and Lisa and Chip came in, and you clearly weren't going to make it. It, I, I, we went to break at one point, and Katie came over to me, and I said, "Tim is going to be like," I said, "This is this is heartbreaking for him because he really wants to be here for this." Oh uh, well. Yeah, it happens. You know that happened to us several times. Our very first show when we came onto this platform for doing uh, the video feed in the in the studio. Remember the same thing happened. There was an accident on the highway because I I would always get the train. I would show up in Manhattan about two hours early. And it was our first, it was our debut show. And there was an accident on 95 that shut everything down and missed the trains. I think we got in there exactly five minutes before or something. But no, sometimes with the train, you never, uh, and you were always a pro, you were able to handle it and, and go forward. But it's, uh, you never know what's going to happen. Guests don't show up. That was another I thing. I actually that think that that first time we ever did the video broadcast, I think it really worked because you just came in cold. You had no idea what was going on. You had not even seen the studio. I had toured no. Compound, and I had checked it out, and I met with the, the folks there. And so this was new to you, and I think that maybe that was this uh, really – you gave a great performance, too. You sat right down. You looked at the camera. Boom. You, and you had never done it before. So had you had the time, you might have not you know, done such a great performance. I don't know. You could overthink it. Yeah, you could overthink that stuff. So. Question for you, question, and this what? this goes to everybody. Um, last week, uh, I early in the week, I thought you know, Thursday was the 40th anniversary of the release of The Empire Strikes Back, one of my absolute favorite Star Wars films of all time. It really, it even eclipses the first one. That movie, as you know from my Facebook post, I would drive down to Orange, Connecticut on a moped. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. I know we did. We talk about that. Did you go on Route Eight? And that moped. partially through Naugatuck and then we would take side roads. But yeah, oh, it, it, of course, we had a little different traffic pattern back then. Anyway, I had determined that Thursday was going to be my day. It was going to be my Star Wars day. I was going to do work. Then I was going to like watch the movie and I had a model kit. I was going to build something stupid like that. But I woke up. I had this migraine thing. The day went off the rails. It was not a good day. And uh, later I saw our friends Pat and Gary for dinner over the weekend and um, on their patio and I mentioned Thursday, and Pat said, ooh, Thursday was a wickedly bad day for me. I said, well, what happened to you? And, and, and uh, uh, through the course of conversation, I discovered that all of us, every at least every two weeks, are having these really down days. Have you experienced this? 
besides uh, events that are going on, I mean, like just like just it's overwhelming. You're like, oh, my God, what's going on? Right. Yeah, I, I would say I have, as probably everyone has. And, and there's other you know, life goes on. Right. There's other things that happen. Um, we didn't talk about it, but I lost my beloved dog. You know, there was there was things that happened. And the next few days out of that uh, from there, I was out of sorts. But no, you're right. And I think a lot of people are having those sort of days. We don't know what's going to go on. We don't know what the third quarter or the end of the year will be like. It, it's a big mystery. We You could plan all you want, but we never plan for what we have now. Now, now. And uh, you bring up a great point. And there is no planning. And I just literally before we came on air, I saw an article that many companies are cutting people's salaries. So let's say you still kept your job during this time period. Now you're on a reduced salary and right. you didn't see that coming. So I think so. Pat just wrapped up the conversation by saying, he goes, be good to yourself. Be patient with yourself. And if you have a bad day, just it's a bad day. Let it let it let it roll on through. And, um, but that was last week. So, but I'm better now. And I, I, I invented it. Oh, and then actually, of course I should say to wrap up the star Wars day hours after this meltdown I had, I went, I didn't do anything. I just felt really terrible all day. I finally started watching the empire strikes back and Bob comes in and he hits the pause button at one point. Cause we're watching it on like <laughs> Disney plus. And I said, Oh, don't stop the movie now. We're it's, it's the, uh, the, uh, the battle on Hoth with the walking tanks, my favorite part. And do you know, they did this with stop motion. And I start talking and he just looks at me and he goes, he goes, you know, you're 100% better. And he goes, because now you're telling me all this trivia that I really don't care about. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bob. <laughs> he'll, he'll let you Tell have me it. all this trivia I don't love him. I don't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> now I know you're better. I know when you're not good when I don't hear from you. I figure something's up. You, you, you shut down. <laughs> I did. I know and I didn't talk to anybody and I did shut down. I might have done. But some I actually did think stuff. you did tell me earlier in the week, though, then. And I was being respectful because you did say you were doing a kind of a mental health or a personal day. And uh, and, and you had big plans. And that's why I, I, I said to you the next day, hey, did you have a great, great day off? You're like, it was miserable. <laughs> it was the worst day I've had in the, in, the, in the year. And I was like, oh, my God, here I'm thinking you were enjoying yourself and building and, my uh, little model kid. And, right. Yeah. That's Actually, the, uh, the, the day started with something called a retinal migraine. I don't know if anybody's heard of this before. So uh, Garrett or Steve, you may have had this. Maybe, not, maybe you didn't even know you had it. But here's the deal. You're sitting and suddenly your vision goes kaleidoscope. Well, you know how you see like colors and stuff through a kaleidoscope and you can't really focus on things in front of you, but you can see them peripherally. So, you know, you're not going blind. And that you, so you just can't see. So it lasts for 20 to 30 minutes. And afterwards, usually it doesn't go into a full blown migraine. Uh, sometimes it does. But that day, th my Star Wars day, I had the a retinal migraine. 30 minutes later, it cleared up. Then I had to, I felt like I was going to throw up because I was nauseous. Then I had to lay down because I did have a migraine. <laughs> God. <laughs> that's why I didn't hear from me. My miserable day. Your miserable day. Well, that's okay. You're, everyone's allowed one, right? Hey, hey. We're going to want to take this call because I don't uh -oh. know if we missed it or not, but it's Don from Alabama. Don, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi, guys. Uh, Hello. Did, just, I did just, not watch. I have not been watching. Are we successfully in orbit with the Dragon X? Nope. Launch will not be until about uh, 3.23 your time. I'm looking so, outside. I don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They have uh, they have moved the crew to the uh, launch stand and uh, are beginning the loading process. But now we're still uh, about two hours away, plus or minus. And are you um, got, uh, for, for everybody that's listening? Saturday. 
for everybody that's listening, um, uh, SpaceX private company is going to be putting two Americans into orbit for the first time in 11 years, I think, since we well, retired the space shuttle. Let me let me add, let me clarify that just a little bit. SpaceX, the very first commercial enterprise ever, is going to join the club of the United States, the Russians, and the Chinese in putting someone in space. So today will be the day, if not today, Saturday will be the day that private enterprise officially enters manned spaceflight. It's pretty so cool, isn't it? Is, yeah, this is not as momentous as, you know, Apollo 11 on the moon, but this, this date will go down in history, you know, as one of those major milestones in the evolution of space exploration. So where are they going? They're going to the space station. They're going to the International Space Station. So how come we don't so know the names of these? Why don't we know the names of these people? Have they? Have, have is it just not been publicized enough? Because usually you know who's no. going up, and they talk about it. I haven't seen much news about it. Uh, they are both former uh, shuttle pilots. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, mission commander was actually the pilot of the last space shuttle mission. And I apologize, but I am having a momentary lapse in uh, uh, Doug Hurley and uh, Bob uh, Beckin. Uh, Correct. Beckin That's right. Has been up was a shuttle pilot, but they've both been shuttle pilots before. So, um, hey Don, are you um, so the history of the SpaceX and what they're flying is the Dragon uh, capsule? So it's, it's the new it's the new method of getting people to and from. They have had some failures with this, not as bad as Boeing's Constellation program. Yep. Um, but are you worried at all about this? Like, I would hate it. I would hate for it to anything to go wrong. I want this to be a perfect launch myself, and I'm sure you, everybody does too. But any misgivings? Well, there is, you know, it's spaceflight. There's always a risk. You're dealing with complicated machines that have, you know, literally millions of parts. Um, I will say that SpaceX has. Uh, with two exceptions, managed to exceed expectations in every case. So, and I'm I'm sure that the weight of private enterprise going into space uh, for the first time has uh, not been lost on their necessity to check and double check to the point that NASA does not have the final go no go decision on this. SpaceX does. Wow. So it will be it will be a private company that will make the final launch determination. Uh, in uh, consultation with NASA, so this so is I, this is really this is the equivalent of the very first commercial airplane taking passengers into the air. This is the first commercial enterprise carrying passengers into into low Earth orbit. Yeah, and and that there was an article that I read either in Popular Science or the Atlantic about all the stuff that's going to happen after this if it's successful. There's notion. There's notions of companies that want to take uh, passengers into elliptical orbits around the Earth. So actually, they'll go higher than the space station uh, for yes. one or two orbits, then return to Earth. Hey, I would love to sign on the dotted line, but you know that this stuff's going to be super duper expensive for years to come. Well, probably probably you, beyond my lifetime. You you've got you've got private flights being currently sold for two hundred fifty thousand dollars a flight, and while that's you know extreme. That's not the 22, uh, 22 to 30 million that the Russians were charging. So it's, but it's not, once we have more frequency of flight, cost of flights will come down. Once we get better with reusable vehicles, then cost of flights will come down. 
you know, the, the biggest cost in this other than um, fuel is platform. So is the vehicle. Re- yeah. Now, yeah, is, is can, this does can, this one return to Earth is the booster for yes. Dragon X does land yes. properly? All every component of this launch, if successful, will return to Earth and be reused. So there is no throwaway booster in this uh, phase. Everything comes back. Everything lands. Everything gets put back together and relaunched. How are they getting um, back from the space station? The uh, there'll be another flight sent up to um, ferry them down, or there is the Soyuz return module if something goes bad. Right. But they so down there, they're going to actually complement. There's only one American on the ISS now, and I think there are two or three Russians. And uh, they're going to be up there for a little while. Are, is it the Dragon that's going to go back up to retrieve them? Yes. the Dragon. Un, until Constellation is online, Dragon, barring any setbacks, God forbid, uh, will be the ferrying system, and we will stop buying uh, seats on the Russian launch platforms. Which so is, will, by the way, that, that's be been like, fraught with politics, too, because oh, yeah. even though our countries are united on the scientific front, Kind of right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it's not it's not a smooth, you know, it's not a really smooth relationship. And if you've got to consider, you know, it has been, you know, America did, you know, prior to today, America did not have a space launch platform since 2011. So the most technologically advanced country on the planet did not have a mechanism for getting people into space. Yeah. That, At least that, in the public sphere. We don't know about the military. Yeah. Remember the, military, and, the military space budget is six times NASA's. I know. I know. And uh, this was, uh, you know, I believe that Bush made the decision to retire. The He made the early decision to do it. Oh, and then Obama finally did it, and then we have uh, President Trump. So it's been three presidents that this whole story is have an arc over, right, yeah. of getting yeah. man back in space. I, I'm very excited about it, and I think events like this, given what we've been dealing with for the past few months, um, it's fun, it's galvanizing, and it's exciting. And it's not even the coolest thing that's going to happen this week. What is the coolest thing that's going to happen this week? The, Na- the Navy has test-fired a 150-kilowatt laser which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but the, that is the beginning of the end of missile technology and the beginning of energy-based weapon systems that function at great range. And so just to clarify for folks, um, what Don's saying is the laser can take out an ICBM? Uh, the laser can take out a drone. It can take out a cruise missile. It can take out... Uh, a lot of platforms, they haven't specifically said ICBM, and these, this is mobile. So this is actually sitting on a ship and is able to fire from uh, – it's a mobile platform. So it's able to fire from anywhere in the world if you can get the ship there. Uh, its range has not been publicized, but, you know, best guess is it, in a, on a clear day, you're talking maybe 100, 150 kilometers. But the very first laser, which I got to see, the very first weaponized laser, was a 10-kilowatt system, and it was the size of, of a house. This is the size of an SUV. So <laughs> as we progress, these weapons get smaller and more powerful, and we get much, much closer to our first Star Destroyer, which is what I'm really looking for. I was just going to say, and, and then phasers. Uh, phasers yeah. on stun or to kill. All right, we're going to get on with yeah. the show, Don. I want to thank you Thanks. for calling. <laughs> Have a great one, my friend. Right. Bye.
Tim, I, hate I, to, I hate to fly. I don't know. What would you, what would you do on that? On that? You go up there and you zip around the world, then what? To get peanuts in a soda? Be, you would not want to be in orbit, like around the Earth. I would no I more would, want to do I that would, than go to Afghanistan. I would die to do it, man. I think it would be so cool. What are you going to do? So cool. You can't see. Nothing. Can you look out the window? Can you look out the window? Yeah, well, the, yes. And some of the astronauts do, in fact, just hang out at this beautiful uh, multi-paned thing. They, I think they call it the observatory or something, but they just looked down at the Earth. I think it would be mesmerizing. Okay. But I was watching. Yeah, this is what I love about Don. Don's down in um, Space City, right? Space Central. Rocket City. Rocket, Rocket City. And he's tapped into all this stuff. And um, I love it. So we have the the laser was news to me. That was news to me. I Dragon actually saw said, that. They, they had put the laser on a couple of uh, the uh, the old, I think, C-10 gunships, and they were showing it. I, I watched some defense video on it. It was quite interesting. I thought it was it certainly is a game changer if it uh, does what it's supposed to do. I'll so. say, yeah. All right, we're going to move on, and I'm going to ask you now specifically what caught your eye. What caught your eye? Here's what Tim and John found. So there were a couple things that uh, that caught my eye, but this one I thought was interesting just because of the the headline, and I know how much that you love uh, you love eggs. So the title is "People Are Buying an Astronomical Amount of Eggs Right Now," and this is this came from the Modern Farmer um, article. And um, so what they're saying is that in the past months, uh, last past two months, the sales of eggs have gone up 44 percent in one week in March. And the last data for the last week in March, the egg sales have gone up 86%. And of course, they were, everybody knows why, people were out running to um, buy food and stock up. And for one thing, eggs are cheap. They also will last forever. They'll last a lot longer than other, other sorts of staples. And they said the other reason they think is because people, while many people didn't celebrate Easter, or didn't do a lot of Easter egg dying, a lot of people are at home trying to be cooks again, right? So they're trying to make cakes and pies and brownies and all kinds of things. And so now they're they're um, buying a lot of eggs. Eggs have gone up in price, though, as well. Eggs have spiked for, uh, they're now average 309 a dozen. I've never bought, a, bought eggs for 309 a dozen, have you? I that's always get the organic eggs. I thought that was cheap, 309, but that's that's nationally. Okay, so I'm used to paying more than that, and so are you. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. So they said that it is a cheap alternative for um, for getting your protein. It's also a great um, – eggs are also great in terms of ease. Who doesn't know how to make an egg? If you don't know how to do anything, you can certainly make an egg. And so there's the easiness there. And uh, they also said it's part of the trio of items that grocery stores use as staples. For instance, before every winter storm, what do you do? You get eggs, milk, and bread. So they said that in terms of people shopping, when they're in there, they're always going to grab eggs milk and bread. So I just thought that was interesting. They said there is no egg shortage. There's no, um, there's going to be no egg shortage. There's no uh, threat of an egg shortage. There's plenty of eggs, but the sales have gone through the roof. So that's what I'm, I'm part of that problem. I, I've been, I've always eaten, you know, you know, my egg habit, love an egg. I usually have uh, two whole eggs and an egg white mixed together with some Canadian bacon in the morning. That's Mostly my every day for the last mm, eight years. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Do you really you know have the same thing? Eggs. You have the same thing every morning? Almost every morning, yeah. Sometimes I vary it up, a little oatmeal. But basically, if I'm going to go on a cycling trip or something in the morning or a bike ride, I'll do uh, oatmeal in the morning. But eggs really do it for me, man. I love eggs. They're the simplest thing in the world, right? You know, yeah. you could be home and like, I'm hungry. I don't want to cook a big dinner. I'll make myself a little omelet. You know, 10 minutes later, you're done. 
that's they're the best food. I had eggs this morning with uh, some bacon and avocado. It's very good. Keeps you full. You don't need lunch. Yes, it's a high protein. Yeah. yeah. So, so what caught um, your eye? Well, this comes to us from a listener who sent a letter to us at letters at focusgroupradio.com. By all means, uh, reach out to us there or on our social platforms as well. And the listener's name is Joshua, and he sent me a listing to a home outside of Pittsburgh or maybe in Pittsburgh that's on Zillow currently. It's been on for over nine days. It's had 2 million, 2.5 million views, and 17,000 people have bookmarked it to go back later. The unique thing about this property is that it's kind of weird inside. So since if you're not watching, I'll describe it. Um, I'm showing two pictures now on the left. There's a picture of a very unassuming brick ranch. In fact, I don't even, Tim, would you even call it a ranch house? Yeah, that's a brick rancher. Brick ranch. The suburb. Now you see, the, now you the see they have suburb. a problem over to the right side with the door being obscured by a shrub that's bigger than the house. So that's going to sure. come down, right? But you enter, well, you know, I'll just read some of the description from the, uh, the the real estate listing. Do you like fun and adventure? See this one-of-a-kind brick ranch converted into a two-story. Enter the door to a 13th <laughs> century castle decor sunken living room with dramatic high oaked beam ceiling, hardwood floor, brick fireplace, a ladder to an elevated library, and then time traveled at warp speed to the 25th century starship. Sounds grand. There's, there is a mural on one side of this living room that looks like a Peter Max kind of pop art thing about of the solar system. But then the a talking space alien greets you as you walk toward the floor to ceiling outer space wall mural. That's what we were just describing. The dining room is a command center whose real wall rear wall opens to the spaceship main bridge working computer and controls from an Apache helicopter. So somebody took the controls from an Apache. My goodness. Apache helicopter and made this space command room. It looks a little random to me, a little random. Um, the, 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 the Apache speakers and a 55 inch TV screen, uh, pocket door to the functional galley kitchen, open the hatch door and you find the laundry, large storage area and workshop. Take the spiral staircase to explore the second floor, which has a den area, a walkway and th three bedrooms. That's, there's a tropical island-themed bedroom and a 1970 hippie crash pad bedroom and a queen waterbed. How they got My all goodness. that in there. Tropical-themed hippie crash pad and a waterbed. <laughs> Level backyard with a pool under warranty and patio area. Beautiful wisteria over pergola, pergola if that's yeah, pronounced that right. So I'm sorry. It's, it's 480 Rainier Drive in Pittsburgh, PA. So it, thank you, Joshua, for sending this. It's the city where I was born. I was not born in this house, although many might mistake this as being my home of origin, given the space theme. I would have done it far more tastefully, personally. Did you, well, what did you think? I, I, I actually saw this listing, too. I'm, I'm a member on one of these social media sites of people post each week. It was similar to... Um, Lurid digs. People post these these uh, these listings of crazy houses for sale, and there was one in Minneapolis too that was just out of this world, so to speak. But how do you go ahead and sell? What did it, I didn't pay attention to the price on the house. Did did it have a price? I was trying to uh, think. How how do you go about selling something like this? First of all, yeah, I don't know the price. I do think I, I seem to remember seeing 180,000. I could be wrong. I, I okay. it's worth a check. To, so I don't hold me to it. Secondly, good friend of mine up here, my friend Linnea, you know, I've talked about her a lot. She's in real estate. We cycle a great deal together. And one day I was telling her that I wanted to do something to the house and she said, Oh no, 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 no. 
You don't want to do that. <laughs> and you know this too, Tim. And I said, why don't I? She goes, you want to think about the next owner. It, the more you customize a house, the less appealing it is to someone in the future because it's not to their specifications or not what they like. This house has been completely, this is someone's dream palace and I love it that they did this, but you know, whoever buys this, it's, it's, it's a gut job, right? What was it that you wanted to do to your house? Was there, do you want to add a room or something? We or wanted to take, we wanted to take the back building, uh, the get garage and right. guest house. We wanted to take it down, put a new slab, build a new, uh, an official new building with an, and then she just said, you know, let someone else do that. Let somebody else do it. Yeah. I, of course, lately, since we've owned the house for over 20 years now, um, I'm beginning to rethink that plan because if we are here for a lot longer, it would be nice to have an official building that wasn't falling down back there. You know, you stayed in there. I remember one time you were one of our, you were a guest and you came out in a towel. You're like, hey, I hate to tell you this, but I flushed the toilet and everything, everything's backing up back. <laughs> Do you remember that when we had a clog in that, in yeah. that shower drain? Well, that happens. That and happens. then I but thought it, of putting it is, a hot it is a tub great in addition somewhere. to the house. Well, hot tub's great. And, and I mentioned it to Lane and she, and she says, okay, let's walk around and cite the tub. And so we were walking around and, and she said, if you put it here, your neighbors could see this and, and it's going to sit out there and it's going to get moldy and you're, gonna have to, and you're not going to have interest in it after two years oh and it's maintenance. Gosh. And so she talked me right out of that hot tub, man. I would love a hot tub. I would like a pool too, but that's not going to happen either. So <laughs> now we have uh, thank you, Garrett. We have a uh, John on the phone. Maybe John knows about this house in Pittsburgh. Welcome to the focus group, John. Hi, John. Hi, Tim. Uh, Hello. I don't know about that house. I do know about homes with pools and uh, and hot tubs, though, because I'm in the springs, of course. But uh, I would uh, I would never buy a house that is is themed like this. I mean, it may not go with your color patterns or anything else like that. I don't know why somebody would do that to a place. I mean, it, it seems pretty uh, obscure to me. Or you don't want a command center or a, or or, an, or the remnants of an Apache <laughs> helicopter to eat in front of? I mean, you know, there, there there's an appeal there to some. Like it looks like there's a submarine theme too. That's just me. But are you kidding? I have I have airplanes that fly between uh, marine bases and navy bases in San Diego up to 29 Palms over my head, and half the time I think that uh, Palm Springs is at war with Indio. So I, I don't really <laughs> want that theme in my house. <laughs> I have oh, to say I... too that I that I I think that uh, I, I do think that Mr. Bennett looks uh, quite handsome with all that fuzz on his face too. You you know, John, I I've been lazy with the, with the shaving, and John and I talked about it. For some reason, my mustache is dark, and one of our listeners, uh, Paul and Mass, had suggested I get a mascara stick, and then John called me out, and I immediately when when it went dark. But uh, I'm trying to keep it trimmed because uh, it does feel a little, little odd. I've, I had, a, I had a beard once in college, for about ten minutes, and that was the only time I ever grew facial hair. So I, I yeah, thought well, that keep, this was, this was the time. Keep it a winter option, you know. I mean, I understand that back <laughs> in your neck of the woods. Keep it as a winter option. I. You know, when you're hair challenged like me, I have no options. Basically, like someone said to me the other day, "Why don't you grow your hair out?" Like I'm gonna look like Friar Tuck at the you end of the day. Right? Here. You look like somebody from one of those superhero shows. Uh, maybe your um, your love of eggs and all that—it's all interconnected. <laughs> hey, kid. There was a listener once who called us, and he said, "You know, I think of Tim and John as Superman and Lex Luthor." And I was on the phone. I took the call, and I said, "Well, which one am I?" He goes, "Well, you're obviously Lex Luthor." He goes, "Tim, Superman." 
Uh, Me and I say more on that front, right? Uh, Tim no. has the Tim. In fact, you have a rabid fan base. Everybody loves Tim. Tim. Well, Tim's like the, the the teddy bear. Tim. They they comment on his hair, his beard, this and that. I'm the quiet and, one, John. I'm the quiet one, maybe. Well, I'm <laughs> glad I actually get to see you guys live for once because usually I'm uh, I'm doing my thing about this time of day. So uh, it's nice to see you guys and just wanted to say hello from the coast and come visit the springs. It's good oh, to hear your voice, John. Thanks. Thanks. Again, so course. good to hear from you, John. Thank Thanks you so much for calling today. It made the day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, Mr. Nice Bennett, surprise. I believe. Oh, it's a fantastic surprise. My God, it's John, right? It's so cool. Yeah. Um, business birthday. Everyone does celebrity birthday greetings, but the Focus Group is the only show in the universe that celebrates business birthdays. This one was um, today's date, May 27th. There were a number of birthdays with big captains of industry and lots of uh, famous names you would hear. But this one particular woman uh, I had come across and I thought uh, not somebody that I really knew and I thought had an interesting story. So we decided that she's our business birthday today. Amelia Jenks Bloomer. Born May 27th, 1818. She died September 30th in 1894 at 76 years old. She was an American women's rights and temperance advocate. So you know the temperance people didn't want us drinking alcohol, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah. and she, was very, she was very religious, but what she was really known for is her work with Lilly, she, which was a, uh, a magazine or a newspaper. She was the first woman to own, operate, and edit a newspaper for women. And uh, she was initially based in, in New York and uh, ended up moving uh, out to Iowa and was very much a woman's rights advocate and was most known for um, her. She wanted to reform the way women dressed in the 1800s. And so she had got a message from from somebody about um, wearing something called like pantalones or pantaloons, things that they would wear in Europe and uh, would mix those with some sort of a tunic. And so she advocated in her newspaper that women should wear these things because they were more comfortable. And that's where we get the name Bloomers from because of her last name, Bloomer. You know, the minute you brought this up and, and the picture came up, I'm like, this can't be the person they've named Bloomers after. I thought it was just it's like a Jeopardy question. It's almost too obvious. But true to form, it's the woman they named Bloomers after, right? Yeah, and it was it was really um, when I read that I thought, well, that's funny because in her own right, she was very much she was friends with Susan B. Anthony. She was friends with other uh, other women that were trying to um, get women's rights and equality in the late 1800s. Uh, Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, but it was really she became known for this um, this advocacy of having women wear more comfortable clothing. And uh, so the, that's how the Bloomers came about. Or she got the name of Bloomers. It was actually somebody else that invented them, but they were tagged with her because she's talked about it all the time in her newspaper. She ended up um, changing her mind, though, in, in the late 1850s and decided when Crinlin came out that that was going to be comfortable enough. So um, so she stopped wearing the blue, as she called it, the Bloomer costume. It was a combination of a tunic and pantalets, P-A-N-T-E-L-E-T-T-S. <laughs> the bloomer costume. She actually called her own outfit a costume. You yeah, gotta love costume. that, right? Okay. So, um, so it ended up. It, so the the costume was worn publicly first by an actress named Fanny Kemble. She was an actress out of New England, and uh, they said it was modeled after trousers worn in the Middle East and Central Asia, topped with a short dress or skirt and vest. But uh, but here she was. She was a um, way ahead of her time, obviously, 
and uh, their statues and parts of Seneca, uh, Seneca Falls in New York have, uh, have her house as a uh, National Historic Landmark um, and a bunch of other places. She was in the National Women's Hall of Fame. She's gotten a number of other awards. And somebody recently in 2002, the American Library Association has produced all of her, um, all of her old publications. And they said it's significant uh, feminist content for young readers and a good look back as to where the whole civil and equal rights movement started for women back in the 1800s. So happy birthday to Amelia Bloomer. <laughs> of, of Bloomer fame, in case Bloomer you have to be worried. They even had, ba- women used to actually wear bathing suits like that. They had the, the skirt thing and those pant things ba- way back in the day. Now, well, I always thought bloomers were like, oh, well, there's your bloomers, right? It was like underwear. Weren't, weren't bloomers? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah, like some kind yeah. of blousey underwear, right? Right, yeah. Good, good so, business birthday. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a shop talk. And uh, John found this. It's an interesting um, chat about um, failure and uh, some of the business um, ideas from the founder of Amazon. So stay with us. You're listening to The Focus Group with Tim and John. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. Focus on the savvy side of 9 to 5 with the Focus Group. Try, really try. Listen, laugh, and learn with Tim and John. I never try anything. I just do it. Hey, welcome back to the Focus Group. John Nash, Tim Bennett. Try, really try. Believe, really believe. What was the other one we're missing there, Tim? Try, really believe, really believe. You know what? I don't know. That's funny. Now that you put me on the spot, try, try, really try, try. believe, really believe. I I used to know it by heart. There was Norman Vincent Peale they were listening to, and that was Clippus from Grey Gardens. As uh, Tim teased at the beginning of uh, the break, uh, a little article that I teased at the beginning of the show about failure as a part of every successful business came across an article that uh, featured Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame, and he it goes like this. The, the headline reads, Jeff Bezos to exec after product totally flopped. You can't for one minute feel bad. The flop that he was referring to was the Amazon Fire, which was a phone that they released. That flop and the Fire phone, it cost $170 million. It was $170 million write down that Amazon took when the Fire phone came out. But out of that phone and the development of that phone came Alexa and voice, um, voice command and voice activation. So this was interesting to me because um, I think that I need to be, I personally need to be reminded as a professional and as a business owner that um, that failure is not always a bad thing. And, and in fact, you don't learn unless you do make a misstep. And that was my big takeaway here is that you shouldn't be afraid of it. And in fact, the bigger the failure, perhaps you were trying something really big, maybe the next success that comes is going to be equally as big. Um, did you like this piece, Tim? Did it uh, speak to you I, career-wise? I did because I liked his form of leadership. As you mentioned, he had two two insights and and for his tenets of leadership and success. And the first one is failure is a part of growth. And I think failure is a part of growth when the organization culturally uh, accepts the fact that you're um, not going to get everything right and you're not going to be dinged for it. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of fear within organizations that. You just do everything you're supposed to do and stay within your budget guidelines and don't think outside of anything different and you'll be okay. 
And I think Bezos' um, success was, you know what, failure is going to be a part of growth. And the more important part about that is what you said about how they found Alexa through this is that you have to be curious and experiment and be allowed to wander a little bit in your thoughts. And that's what leads you to other areas. So what you worked on may not have been a huge success, but out of that developed a bunch of other things. And I think so many organizations have that fear base of, oh, my God, I just in their minds would have been I wasted one hundred and seventy million dollars on this failure. Whereas Bezos says, hey, we learned from this. We grew from this. And out of this, we were able to do who, who's going to argue about the success of Alexa, right? Or in oh, the it's Echo. amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And um, you are right. Like you and I worked with many clients who they may do an ad campaign and you'll say to them, and Tim has often said this in meetings, and I've I've seen this happen. But like the, the client will say, we want to spend X, Y, and Z on like, uh, and Tim will say, well, you really shouldn't do that. You should be in the market for the whole year and spend this amount. And then they spend this little amount and they don't get any traction and they're upset because they think they made a bad decision. That's a little different than this, but you have to, you have to try before you succeed. Right. And that one quote that you talked about earlier, um, you have to be willing as, uh, they say here, you have to be willing to float and to be curious and experiment. That reminded me of a lesson I learned, a hard lesson I learned from an old mentor of mine. I used to do a lot of work for Cambridge University Press, and I was vexed by a problem. I like that word, vexed. I'm pretty vexed. And my mentor, Tom, over lunch one day said to me, he goes, you, you really need to cultivate the idea of being patient with not knowing what you don't know, because it will eventually, you'll figure it out. But you have to be okay with not knowing the answer right away. And that bugged the crap out of me for the longest time until I realized he's right. Sometimes we we maybe have the answer. We we're thinking about it. We're putting the pieces together, but it's not coming quick enough. And this actually goes to something I was going to ask you about too, Tim. You know, um, time to wander, time to experiment, time to free think. That doesn't really jive with a desk job, does it? You know, it's well, it's it's difficult to. It, re- it reminded me a lot of how Subaru, back to my corporate days as a as an example, developed the Outback. There, there was there was people initially thought that was a crazy idea to take a passenger vehicle, which was a station wagon, and modify it to have all the characteristics and capabilities of an SUV without the downside of a, a truck or, or four-wheel drive versus all-wheel drive. And so a lot of that was done by not being at your desk, right? It's about being talking with consumers, being out in, in the field, and not being strapped to the conventional, you're here from nine to five, and then you leave, and you're, you're just a, a cog in the wheel. And that short stint I had after I left Subaru, you remember my frustration of being the, the company culture there was you had to be strapped to your desk. You couldn't even go out for lunch, which um, which I think was uh, was a real mistake. And um, a lot of you do your best thinking. You've said this all the time. You do your best thinking when you're away from the desk or you're on your bike or you're mm-hmm. doing something different. It doesn't mean you're not working. And that's what I'd never understand about people. And I think in this new time that we're in right now is that I think they're finding out that people are more productive. Many They're seeing it when you're not necessarily strapped to a desk or in an office with all the other things that come with that, right? But there there are ways you can be productive that don't require you to be in a specific location. And and there are ways to be productive um, and effective. So um, I like this because I thought it was a culture that I would, I would uh, thrive in because it wasn't so strict and stringent in terms of, you know, I don't like rules. 
So no, and and I also had a, a very uh, stark memory of when I a couple of years ago when I took my animation program, which I really really loved to death. Those two years were great, but there were some down moments when I wasn't when I was afraid I wouldn't pass. I got a pass. <laughs> think about it now. Why would you think you weren't going to pass? You worked your butt uh, off on that. Yeah, but one time I had a particularly low point, and I had this really bad critique, and I spoke to Tim. He's like, what's going on? I said, here's what's going on. I got this critique. <laughs> and you listened very patiently. And then you said, which is one of the reasons why we're great friends and I love you so much. You're like, you, you, you just said, well, isn't that the point? And, and you, you, you so surprised. And I said, what, what do you mean? Isn't that the point? And you said, well, you're learning. You're not supposed to get it right out of the box. You're, you're supposed to fall down and, and pick yourself up again and you're going to get it better than you'll figure out next time. It's so it made my brain like the gears just stop spinning when you said that, because I'm like, it was such a good observation. It reminded me that, yes, this is a school thing. It's a project. Right. It's not life. It's it's But I, and in fact, that shot became one of the best shots I ever did the, that once I figured that out. And it was because I failed at it to start. So but I had to have you say, isn't that the, isn't that the point? Aren't you aren't you learning? <laughs> Well, that's that's a schizophrenia of working in a business anyway, is that there's there's a there's a emotion and personality play a part into it. And people get very emotional about their work and invested in their work. And you as a creative person are very much that personality. And sometimes I would always say to you um, over the years is that it's not personal. If someone doesn't like a campaign you did or someone doesn't like a headline or someone doesn't like an ad, it's not that they don't like John Nash. But they're also paying for you to help them find what they like. And that sometimes it might not be exactly what you like, but your your job or your service would be to try to satisfy the client that way. And sometimes I think people overall take that stuff too seriously. It's just business. It's not personal. When people well, make it personal, it, it becomes it, then it becomes an issue. But uh, a lot of times if you just say to yourself, you know what, this is a business situation and um, we'll move on. So. I recommend that everybody have a Tim Bennett in their life. You you need that kind of person to call to remind you. And you've done this at least, I don't know, a hundred times over the last <laughs> 20 years of my year. business career. Oh, <laughs> a Tim, lot this year. <laughs> you ain't kidding me. Some, sometimes Tim gets on the phone with me and he goes, John, we'll finish a conference call and we'll get critique on something. And he'll, I'll, and usually it, Tim and I quarterback these calls. Like, so we'll finish and I'll call him right back or he'll call me. Oh boy. And did you pick that up? Did you get that? And then one time I pick up the phone and I call Tim and Tim goes, before you go off the handle, you're not supposed to have an ego. It's not about you. We're going to move on and fix the problem. And he got my mind straight right away. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, and, and I, Hey, I learned that from somebody too. I learned that over the years and, and uh, you can learn it from everybody. I've learned uh, some of the smartest things from many peers or many people that uh, even people that reported to me. So it's good to take advice and it's good to, uh, what is it they always say? If somebody offers you a mint or advice, take it. <laughs> mint uh, or an advice. Have I heard this before? Yeah. I was like, do you ever heard that before? If somebody offers you a mint or advice, but it's usually if somebody offers you advice, take it. doesn't mean you're going to listen to it, but take it, take the advice. Take okay. It. Take, and it's usually well-intentioned. Yeah. And Unless if somebody offers you a stick of gum or candy or mint, <laughs> take, it. take it. It's similar to the woman at Volkswagen we worked with, uh, Megan, where she said, if somebody offers you the opportunity to go to the restroom when you're on a road trip, even if you don't have to go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Remember, I remember that? that? That was a great line. That was a great line. <laughs> 
So it's a good article, and I just it's a good reminder to all that um, failure comes in many many forms. Maybe you're writing a resume. Maybe the resume you have that you're job hunting with is not getting you the traction. Don't view it as a failure. Hit the rewrite button and and see where you go with that. By the way, I don't know why I picked resumes. Maybe they're on my mind. I do not like them. Have you checked? Like I reread the my current Oof. one. I, I I thank you. Your 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 vocal. I hate Oof. them. I hate them. I. You know what? And I don't think people really read them. And now what's going now what happens computers. with resumes, right? We've heard this as it goes through computers and people are even interviewing with uh, with artificial intelligence. I had a friend that went through three interviews and never talked to a person. She was talking to a computer and you have to learn how to look at the camera. That, that, that's kind of passed me by, I hope. But then um, we pray. We pray that, that you didn't tell me the part where she had to look at the camera. I know you're talking about. And when well, you she told was me concerned story, because that, that, that was the feedback she got was she didn't have good eye contact. She said it's a it's a computer screen eye contact. <laughs> she had to be looking right at the right at the red dot, the or the green dot. Right. Which I have a problem doing. But so you had she had to practice looking at the green dot for the next interview. And she finally said, can I just talk to somebody? <laughs> can I just actually talk to a person? But. Yeah, that's what's happening now, which I think is horrible. And these, listen, I, I used to interview hundreds of people each year. And, uh, you know, you scan a resume, but mm -hmm. you really know when mm -hmm. you, you have to meet somebody face to face and talk to them and decide whether you think you like each other and you want to do business together. Right. I mean, that that's what the, the bottom line is to me. You, you, the, I think the so. I know, think the so. And usually just a bunch of made up platitudes. Yeah. And, and keywords now. Keywords. Yeah. Like yeah. I had to, I reread mine. I, I thought, I don't even know the person. This, this is not me. I, I'm having, I have to grapple with that at some point, but not for a while. Anyway. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Hey, we want to thank everybody for joining us today. Thank you, John. Thanks to our boys in the booth, Garrett and Steve. Thanks for uh, our listeners, John and uh, Don, who called today. We always love when you guys call. You can call the numbers on the, on the bottom of the screen there. Be sure to find all of our audio and video programming at focusgroupradio.com. And be sure if you head over to our social media to watch us live, that you like us over on Facebook. It's Focus Group Radio. It's the same at YouTube. It's our YouTube channel is Focus Group Radio. And uh, we like to have you guys joining us every Wednesday live at 1 p.m. East. Also, be sure to catch our podcast, which is TFG Unbuttoned, which you could also find at focusgroupradio.com. Comes out every Tuesday morning. It also gets put up on our feed at Facebook as well. So we hope you all have a great week. And you have a good start to summer, and we'll see you next uh, Tuesday, I think it is. Isn't it, John, for Unbuttoned? Everyone have Unbuttoned a great Next Tuesday, correct. Right. Don't, oh, don't text and drive, arrive alive. <laughs> I think you messed it up last week, John. Now I did. <laughs> have a good week. It's The Focus Group with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Accessible on all platforms. Subscribe, like, and rate us on your platform of choice. Learn more at focusgroupradio.com. That was a stunning focus group.